things early career recruitment the strategies to help you succeed will help you work with generation z with all the information that you'll need it's the jack and ollie show hello and welcome to the early careers podcast with uh, jack and ollie so welcome to this first in the series. Uh, we'll be doing a few of these and trialling them to see how they, uh, how they can work. We'd like to, I guess, inspire uh, every or, everyone in the early career space and give them insights into different people, different opinions, and uh, just really share best practice in early careers recruitment. My name's Oliver Sidwell. Uh, I'm co-founder of RMP Enterprise. And I'm Jack Denton, the co-founder of the All About Group. Today we're sharing the mic with Paul Gascoigne. Not the retired English footballer, but the graduate recruitment manager at Shearman and Sterling. He has a background in digital marketing, which makes him a very interesting first guest on the Early Careers podcast. He's worked with some of the top brands in education in both the private and public sector, and we've known him for a number of years. And his insights are second to none and has a real knack for innovation and anything to do with digital tracking and accountability. I think one thing you'll uh, hear a lot about in today's podcast is all, all about the, the new skills that he believes the graduate recruiter of today uh, needs to have. Uh, so Paul, just tell us a bit about who you are, what you do and how you got to where you are today. Okay, um, so I'm, I'm the graduate recruitment manager at Sherman & Sterling, which is a, a law firm uh, in the city, a US law firm. Uh, so I head up the, uh, the London's team, team's graduate recruitment uh, function. So I've been at Sherman for coming up to four years. And before that, my background was very much in marketing uh, within education. So I'd worked at BPP Law School, um, or BPP University, BPP Law School, had a number of different uh, names while I was there for seven years, uh, working on student recruitment campaigns, and before that I, I worked at a, a number of universities. So Paul, I wanted to jump in one straight off the bat, and this is a quote from your LinkedIn. Okay. It says here, <laughs> that your key areas of speciality are implementing marketing campaigns across four marketing NICs, including digital channels, prospectuses, print, social media channels, SEO, PPC, Google AdWords, YouTube events, and email marketing campaigns. These aren't the things you typically see on someone working in the wider HR market. Do you think those skills make you better at your job? Um, well, thanks, <laughs> thanks for the research <laughs> that you've done. Um, I mean, I think, I think they do. I think they've been very helpful. Um, and I think my background is in marketing, and I've always worked in marketing departments, um, traditionally doing student recruitment. Um, and now I do a similar job, um, so trainee recruitment. But rather than sit in the marketing department, I now sit in a HR department. Um, I think it's, it's quite apparent to me that my skill set is very different than other people, not just within the team, but uh, my, my peers within different organisations. Um, and I think what happened, what the way that the market is going is that students are increasingly looking for information in different ways. Uh, they don't follow uh, traditional uh, techniques. Uh, so I think understanding how, how the audience researches information, how you communicate information, the medium that you use uh, is very beneficial. And I think a lot of that is increasingly online, increasingly what we call uh, digital marketing. Although I think that, that term would just end up being marketing um, in the same way that you know, print was at one time new, TV adverts were once, uh, at one uh, point new. I think digital marketing is now just becoming the norm. Mm -hmm. 
So how have you seen that, um, I guess, shift then? I guess you talked a bit about the journey there of how you've gone from you know, mm. TV ads as being great and then going to more digital. Do you see that just being part of every, I guess, graduate recruitment team's armoury? I think so, yeah. Um, so if you, th if you think traditionally, what would a, a graduate recruiter do? Um, they would do a lot of campus work and do a lot of face-to-face -face events and do law fairs, um, a lot of campus work. Now, if you're looking for anything, you just Google it. And students are exactly the same. And I don't think students are going to wait for three months for the annual uh, careers fair. They're just going to Google it. And you mm. need to make sure that you're uh, positioning yourself um, at, the, at the front of uh, front of their minds. Um, and I think understanding how you do that, uh, so when you do a Google search and something appears in well, the first position or the second position, it's not by accident. And I think understanding how you get something on Google, uh, how you're able to do email campaigns, how you manage a, a social media campaign, is becoming increasingly important. Do you think that's leaving some firms behind, if they're not keeping up with that? Um, I mean, I think it will. I think at the moment there is such... Um, the supply of law students looking for training contracts means that it's not becoming an issue at the moment. But I think slowly it, it will be an issue. Um, you see a lot of organisations that still don't really make use of the website. You see a lot of organisations that don't really understand how to use social media. Uh, and in increasingly candidates will just default to that. And I think if uh, employers aren't on those platforms or don't know how to use them correctly, then they will get left behind you. Do you foresee in the future that maybe that um, teams within firms might be smaller because you could maybe reach more people via digital marketing than you might need for face-to-face? -face? Well, that's one of the benefits. And one of the things that, that we found is that we don't have to do as much campus activity. Um, so we've reduced our campus work by around 50%, but applications are up by over 100%. Uh, that's within two or three years. Uh, and I think it's because uh, we've been able to do some analysis. Um, one of the things that you learn when you work in marketing as well is to look at data and evaluate channels. <clears throat> and I think sometimes, and certainly what I've seen, is that the link isn't always there. It's not robust enough in the way that a lot of people think. So they will do a, uh, as a recruiter, you might go to a particular university and do an event, say presentation. Let, let's say Exeter University. You go there, you get 50 people turn up. And then six months later, when you get your applications in, there's people from Exeter. And you think, well, that's because we did that talk. Now, for me as a marketer, you think, well, actually, no. There's absolutely no evidence that those are the same people. And when you begin to match things up and you evaluate, actually, who are those people, and you track it, you realise that, actually, it's not having the impact that you thought it was. Uh, so I think a lot of campus work, or traditional recruitment work, is wasted. And the good thing about digital work, you can track it a lot more. It's a lot more robust. Um, you know if it's working or not in the same way that traditional activity doesn't allow. Do you think there's any way to track the, the traditional activity you're doing? So if you do a face-to-face -face event, how do you even know whether that's been effective? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not through... It's not, sometimes you hear people, oh, just remember that person, or, I remember that name. I mean, again, that's, that's not enough. Um, a lot of it is around data capture, lead capture. Uh, so if people register an event... Uh, uh, come to an event, make sure there's a, a registration form, a registration page, and then track those people. Yeah, so what proportion of the, the whole mix comes together here? Because there's an element of, yes, digitalising things that helps you track things a lot better. Yeah. I guess traditional marketing says you know, you're supposed to have about nine touch points before you're yes. there with a the brand. Yeah, that's right. So which do you find, I guess, most effective? Because uh, 
uh, the argument is you've got to do a lot of different things. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I always, I always think that um, it's better to get people onto your website and get people to uh, register for uh, emails. And I always think it's much better to have someone's email address than to have, for example, a, a like on, on Facebook or a, a follower on Twitter. <clears throat> because, because essentially you own that. Yeah. If people are going to give you their details, there has to be some kind of exchange. So they must want information. So if people sign up for, for example, a monthly newsletter, and then you email people regularly with good content, content that they want, that's the best way to, um, uh, to get people to take an action. But you're right though as well in terms of the touch points. Now I don't think people think about this often enough. So you might do a, a campus presentation and then walk away. And that's probably not going to be enough. You know, they'll need to engage with your organization or your brand a number of different times. So it might be face-to-face, then it might be uh, an open day, it might be um, Facebook posts, it might be an email, it might be coming to the website, it might be uh, something on Instagram that they've seen. I think all of those things come together. And I think the more touch points you have, the better it is. Uh, it's all about the, the nurturing, yeah. uh, making sure they're educated, informed, yeah. and then actually when they do apply, yeah. they're, they're leaving a more informed application yeah. for you. And I think uh, the other thing in, in marketing, you, you always work on marketing campaigns, and people don't often think about recruitment as a campaign. You always think about a marketing campaign, but you don't necessarily, necessarily think about a recruitment campaign. And you've got different stages. So you'll have an awareness stage, you'll have a consideration stage, you'll be trying to get people to uh, take some kind of action which in most cases will be an application. So then you think about it a bit more strategically. So what activity are we doing which is going to raise awareness? What activity are we doing which makes people want to apply to us? Um, and once you begin to think about things in that way, you can understand what activity is worth doing and which activity isn't worth doing. And do those different um, stages, do they overlap each other or you see them as closed stages during the process? Uh, I see the stages as being closed stages, but I see some of the activity working across both. So you've won a number of accolades over the years, such as highly commended Best Trainee Recruitment Campaign, winner of the Best HR Innovation Through Technology Award, winner of HR Team of the Year Award, and Best Student Marketing Campaign runner-up. What do you think has been the secret to your success? I think, that's a a good question. Um, I think a lot of it's trying to do something that's different. Um, I think a lot of people fall into the trap of looking at competitors and trying to do what they do. Um, I think that's the biggest mistake you can make. Um, In in my sector, the legal sector, students often complain that law firms always look the same and sound the same. And they do because most people will look at law firms and think, well, that's the way that we communicate. Those are the channels that we use, that's how we speak, that's how we talk, that's how we communicate. Um, but there's no rules to this. And you find that good organisations are the ones that try and do something different. Um, so I think the awards that we've, we've won though, it's largely because we've tried new things. Um, new technologies, new platforms, a different approach. Um, so I think the key is trying to do something that's different while still being relevant for the audience. And where do you get your inspiration from for new things? All over, really. All over. Um, I mean, I never, ever look at the sector that I'm working in. Um, really? Yeah, no, never. Because um, <laughs> I, I always think that um, you, don't want to, you just don't want to do what somebody else yeah. is doing. Um, you think about the sectors that tend to innovate, so technology sectors, I mean, retail. You know, the organisations that are really under a lot of co- cost pressure because they need to be innovative. 
Um, you look at something like Amazon, and so you know what it's like, you go on Amazon, and then you'll see an advert for that product as soon as you go onto a different website. And I kind of like those things. Uh, and it's understanding what can work in the, in the recruitment sector as well. Um, so understanding those types of things. But technology, retail, I tend to look at. Could you explain maybe a little bit more about, um, you know, when you go to Amazon and you see one of those adverts yeah. and then you see it somewhere else, what that is? And is that something you can even use in an in a early recruitment campaign? Yeah, it is. It, it, once you understand the technology and a little bit of, I don't want to put people off, a little bit of the code involved, then it's really easy. And the good thing is that platforms like Google and Facebook want people to use this. So they're making it easier and easier. Where in the past, this type of technology would, I mean, in the, in, when, the, when, when they started, you'd probably be looking at your IT department to do it. But then the IT department, we're not marketing people. Um, so now that remit sits usually within marketing teams. But then sometimes, in, in, in most organizations, the, the recruitment teams then don't liaise with marketing. Um, so at some point I think recruitment teams are going to have to understand this themselves and really pick it up but essentially what happens is if someone um, goes onto a particular website there's some code on there and then um, you can display certain adverts through Google um, to them based on that code um, it's relatively simple it's just called remarketing um, it's just it's just that you need a snippet on your website um, and then you just determine and, and Google pretty much does the rest you just follow a Google campaign you just say in Google AdWords, if you want to do a remarketing campaign, you say, if people have been on this website, then I want to show this advert to them across these different platforms. And some websites will allow you to advertise, some won't. So you see, you wouldn't be able to get an advert on the BBC website, for example, bbc.co.uk, but you might be able to get one on bbc.com because that is a, also an advertising platform. I guess it must be a pretty big worry for lots of firms for you to maybe appear on an unsavoury website or something like that. Yeah, um, and there are checks on that, and I think some big organisations have been caught up with this. Um, but you can choose which websites you feel comfortable with. You can with. choose which ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But doesn't that also negate sometimes? Because if you want to reach out to people who you wouldn't necessarily want to reach out to, mm. actually, you kind of want to be in some places that you might not want to be seen in, alongside some sort of content. Because yeah, and that's very much a judgment call. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm not a massive fan of remarketing because sometimes there are some risks in there. Um, Facebook remarketing is, a, is, I think, better to do. Um, Google remarketing can be, yeah, it can be a little bit tricky. Yeah. But Google are tightening this up because I think they've lost ad revenue in the past from um, big organisations. Um, so, you know, they'll make this work. I think one of the cool things about Facebook is as well that you get um, a wider range of targeting. Because people put in more information into Facebook, yeah, that's right. Whereas Google has makes more guesses, yeah, yeah. And and the thing is as well, what you want to do is display the right information to the right people. It's not this, you know, if, you, if you're showing things that are irrelevant, people are quickly going to go off your brand. Um, so you have to make sure you're showing the right things. So you have to think about it. And just because you can do remarketing, doesn't mean that you should. Um, you have to you have to do the right things. So if someone comes onto onto a website, let's say they look at your vacation scheme page it might then make sense to show them some content based on vacation schemes like how to submit a vacation scheme application that would make sense uh, but if someone has literally been on your home page for three seconds and then they see a, a display advert for something which is irrelevant uh, that's not going to be beneficial yeah. so but about it, being really specific and going for yeah 
But the good thing is, well, you'd be able to track the success of things because you get a lot of metrics. So how many people view it, how many people click through. If you do what we call conversion tracking as well, so working out how many people actually applied, you can begin to see what works and resonates with the audience and what doesn't. And the things that don't, you shut down very quickly. So you've spoken a little bit about um, the way that you are able to track the success of your your campaigns. Why do you think it is that so many firms still use candidate recognition? And for anyone who doesn't know what that is. When someone submits an application form, there's just an additional question that says, how did you hear about us? And there might be a list of 20 different websites. And then you're purely reliant on the candidate taking that question seriously and answering it accurately based on every interaction that they've had over the last 12 months. It doesn't really make any sense. Um, and I think, I mean, there's a great quote, isn't there? I think it's, um, it's David Ogilvy that said something like, um, well, people, people don't uh, say what they think and they don't do what they say. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely true. And you, you need to have metrics to test these things. And it's not that people are being uh, disingenuous. They just might not remember. They might not know. Um, so I think those questions I, I, I don't really look at on application forms. If you have tracking in place through, for example, Google Analytics, you can just see all the websites that people have used, how many people have clicked through from those websites, how many people have been on those websites and then converted, so made an application. Uh, and that's, that's accurate. That'll be accurate within a few percentage points. And that's a much better way of understanding um, the websites and the channels that your audience uses. And is that something you brought in at Sherman? You, you added in loads that weren't there? Yeah, yeah, 100%, yeah. And how has the business reacted to that? Well, good, because you're able to stop spending money on things that don't work. Um, and if you don't have the data, it's really difficult to make those decisions. Um, so I remember when, when I joined, there was a lot of, was, we had profiles. And anyone who works in, in graduate recruitment will know that you always have profiles on these many, many different websites. And the profiles are essentially just a shortened version of your own website. So instinctively, I thought, this, this is probably a bit of a waste. Um, but then you don't know how many people are actually coming to your website from these, these profile pages on all these other different websites. So you then begin to put some tracking in place, or tracking links, uh, and work out how many people click through. And I remember one organisation, a very famous organisation within the legal sector, we were getting something like 20 click-throughs over the course of a year and paying many, many thousands of pounds for this profile page. And instantly the decision's made, you don't need to do it anymore. And then you can invest that in things that actually work. And so, apart from just saving the company money, which of course is you know, a pretty important part of what you're doing, are there any other obvious benefits from doing that? Well, you can invest it in different platforms, for example, uh, digital, and then target people uh, who you want to target. So law firms and professional services tend to focus on uh, target universities, target candidates. There's a lot of information online in terms of how to target those people. Um, so actually you invest in campaigns that are relevant and are reaching the target audience and therefore your applications and your pool of applicants increase and you get better candidates because you've taken away wasted money into a platform that works. Um, I mean, I think it's quite easy to implement. Um, Facebook and Google make it relatively straightforward. Um, but there's lots of online courses you can do as well. Um, things like the digital uh, garage is very good. That's a, a Google... Um, one HubSpot, mm-hmm. um, you know, you just, just Google digital garage, yeah. or HubSpot. Yeah, that's right. Good uh, HubSpot Academy, uh, SEM Rush do a, an academy now. 
and you can get all this information for free. So if people are unsure how to do this, it's actually not that straightforward and there's lot, lots of online resources. And once you know how to do it, it then it's, it's then fairly intuitive. Um, maybe a slight pivot um, now. So there's a lot of different digital formats people use. Um, of those different formats, which ones do you like best and why do you, why do you like them? Um, I tend to like them all um, and just using them in different scenarios. <clears throat> so the ones that I use are kind of long form blog posts. So blog posts which are around 2,000 words. Uh, and the, the reason long blog, posts, long blog posts are good is because you really need to think about the content. You can't just rush out a 500 um, word blog post with not much information because people won't be interested. And Google is getting very good at understanding how people interact with content. And the longer you stay on a page, whether you bounce off that page and look at another page because you've not found the answer, Google begins to understand that. So long form blog content I like. I like using videos uh, as an informative way, so Facebook Live videos I enjoy doing, uh, usually within 10 minutes. I mean, I don't think you, you need to do it any longer than that. Sometimes do some infographics. I think those are easily digestible. Um, I like doing a lot on Facebook Messenger as well. Um, so I think that's quite good because you can set up essentially messenger bots and chat box. So what does that look like? How does that work? So if someone goes to your Facebook Facebook page and sends you a message through mm -hmm. Facebook, you can have a, a messenger bot which answers questions automatically. Uh, so if people are interested in vacation schemes, it can provide information on that or application deadlines or videos or blog posts which are relevant. So I go on there and I say... Oh hey, and then it sends a message, and I say um, it says like hi or something, and yep. then I say oh I'd really like to find out about the vacation scheme you've got. Yeah. It then automatically gives me some kind of response. Yeah. So uh, the way that we've done it, it will give you a list. So say if you're interested in training contracts, type one. If you're interested in vacation schemes, type two. So you type two, and I say great, you're interested in vacation schemes, and it will show you all the information that's relevant. Uh, and all that is is automated. It's set up in advance, uh, and it's just a, a good way for people to get answers to questions rather than waiting for someone to check a Facebook account maybe once a day or once, once so every you day. set that up? Do you have to call up Facebook and do that? Or? No, um, again one of the, one of the things in, in, in marketing there's a lot of smaller organisations probably working at Silicon Valley which uh, have these online platforms which you just pay to use I use one called ManyChat ManyChat? Yeah, which is free to use set it up really straightforward um, it's amazing, it's amazing what platforms you can find. And I think sometimes this is the, um, the concern that people don't feel like they have the support functions to do this, they don't have the support functions to create videos, to do live videos, uh, to do um, things like uh, chat box, um, social media. There's a lot of platforms on there which can help. I mean, I'm not a graphic designer, but I can use so something like Canva um, which is a, an online platform to quickly create Facebook posts. Um, so rather than being held back by not having a decent image, you know, I can just do that online, uh, doing the, the chatbot thing. I, I can't create the software individually, but I can use some free software online that's able to do it for me. So, so your skills are very different. So if you want to look at, say, a 20th century graduate recruiter, it would be very different to everything you're talking about here. You know, yeah. the, the traditional little ground going out on campus, presentations and fairs, mm. the skills there are so different to what you're talking about here in 
talk about self-learning online is that yeah I think there is a lot um, there's a lot yeah there's a lot of self-learning I think I mean even what I've learned since I joined Sherman has been enormous um, because it, it, it's, actually, it's actually quite a new frontier there aren't that many people that can teach you how to do this um, but we're also in a, a, a period of time where all this information is available online and you can learn it all online you de- uh, put a bit of time in every day like I come in quite early and really for the first hour every day I'm just researching something figuring out how to do something figuring out how to tweak something um, and once you give it a go you actually become quite adept quite soon Sounds really interesting. I think you've probably got a few listeners thinking, actually, that's really inspiring. Mm. There's probably also a few that find that quite daunting, thinking mm. I'm pretty busy enough as it is without yeah, having yeah. to mm, totally. add all this video creation and yeah. uh, you know, building infographics and yeah. all that sort of stuff. So. But if you think, a lot of, of organisations will want, if someone types in a question which is relevant in, in Google, they'll want their organisation to appear. So that's why it's relevant. You don't want to be on page 10 of Google if someone types in... Um, what organisations are offering winter vacation schemes in December 2019? You know, and if you are offering one, then you want that to appear. So understanding how to do what we call SEO, search engine optimization, is really important. Um, how to get people to apply for an open day based on an email campaign, again, is really important. So using platforms like MailChimp. Um, so as much, as much as this information can sound quite daunting, you always have to put yourself in the position of the your target audience and what do people want and how do people want information and really have to gear, uh, gear your skill set around the audience, not what you personally feel comfortable with. Because if what you personally feel comfortable with could very, very quickly become, become outdated. There seems to be quite a few levels there, right, in terms of you know the, uh, what you're able to do. Mm. So if you were starting at the most basic level, where would you start? You'd start by maybe tracking yeah. your campaign or would you start with the videos? Uh, first thing I do is make sure I've got access to Google Analytics. So that is understanding how people come to your website, how they interact with your website. Because um, if, if you think a website is, is something that you own, something like Facebook, you don't own it. You might have a Facebook page, but it's a third-party platform. So I think try and prioritise the, um, the platforms that you own. So most organisations, in fact every professional service organisation, will have some kind of graduate recruitment website. So that's the most important thing to understand how people come to your site, how they interact with your site, what pages they're using, um, why they're leaving, what the journey through the website is. Now most graduate recruitment websites are fairly, they're not, they're not massive, you know, not Amazon type websites, mm-hmm. they might have probably less than 100 pages in there. So they're not uh, particularly complex websites to evaluate. So Google Analytics is something that you should absolutely look at. I think the next thing is the link tracking. So a lot of organisations will be paying to have profiles online across the web. So you need to understand whether those are working or not. And if people aren't clicking through to your website, I mean, I would say it's a bit of a waste. It's a waste of money. Uh, and then I would say look at the third-party platforms. So Facebook can be very useful, but you do have to invest money in it. Um, and it's very different from running your own personal Facebook um, profile. So running a business Facebook page is a bit different and you do have to invest money in it. But it's a great way to again, drive people to your website. It's the same with, um, with Instagram as well, the same with YouTube. So the second point there, what sort of platforms would you recommend or could you recommend for you know, people tracking their campaigns? Uh, well, the one that we use is ClickMeter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, a, there's a lot online. ClickMeter is very good though. Um, so that's the, that's the main one. Uh, so what happens is 
if you advertise on a third party website rather than have your you know, www.mywebsite.com and you give that to the website to advertise you actually have a, a tracking link which might be um, www. Um, I don't know, a bit of code EEY27 to such and such but no one actually sees that it's just a different hyperlink and then you give that to the website and then you can track how many people have clicked through to your website through ClickMeter uh, based on that. Can you go beyond just seeing how many people come to your site? Yeah, uh, you can set up conversions as well. Um, so what will happen is, <clears throat> ideally you want people to come to your site and they probably come to your site a number of times and then hopefully make an application. Now what happens at the end of an application is it will be a final page. So if you think if you buy something online at Amazon, there will just be a thank you page at the end. So it's a little bit different with applications, but there's usually some kind of thank you page at the end. Uh, I mean, I do a redirect back to our website. So then you have a little bit of code on that final page, and then you can track it back to all the links on the website. So let's say we advertise on a particular website. You know how many people click through to your website, and then you also know how many people actually converted. And you know they converted because only the people who converted will ever end up on the thank you page. So what you might see is, a hundred clicks to your website and five conversions. And then you'll be able to do that for every website that you use. So you might have one website which is a hundred clicks, 50 conversions, and you'll know that will be better value. Great. Um, so one of the things that you've um, started doing at Sherman are your whiteboard Wednesdays. <laughs> yeah. So it'd be kind of cool to explain people what they are, uh, why you started them, yeah. what your sort of goal is from it, yeah. and I think it'd be interesting for everyone. With videos, how do you even measure your success? Yeah. Uh, so, again, I think this, this comes back to the marketing point. When you're working marketing, all, you're thinking all the time about your audience, about providing your audience with relevant information. And that's something that we've been doing for a number of years now. So when we create content, we're not doing it for our benefit. We're doing it for the benefit of the audience. So you, try to, you want someone to have reassurance in your brand in your organization to know that this is a place where you can get good information uh, and there's lots of information out there which students aren't getting and we thought well why don't we do something a little bit different rather than we tried some um, Facebook lives which have worked let's try something that isn't live so you can it's a bit more relaxed in terms of how you how you set it up and we just explain it we just explain it on a whiteboard um, five or ten minutes so some of the things that we've we've talked about uh, kind of application strategies that will absolutely work when it comes to applying for training contracts if you've been rejected in the past. Understanding law firm metrics, um, so understanding how, you, how law firms uh, get the, where, where the profitability comes from and what metrics they're looking at. Uh, looking at how to submit an application form if you've got international qualifications. Just a lot of the questions that you get asked at Open Days and turning that into content which anyone is able to access. You don't just have to come to an open day, put your hand up and ask the question. It's just available. Um, and then you have a number of different platforms to host these on. Most people choose LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. I'm using something a little bit different um, so, uh, without getting technical. Um, with, 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 with YouTube, uh, most people use YouTube. Without getting technical, if, if someone types in something into Google, and the, the result, the video comes up and it's a, a, um, a YouTube video. Mm -hmm. If you click on it, it will then direct you to YouTube. Mm. Whereas I've, I've kind of said, I want people to come to my website. So the platform that I use is Wistia. Which Wistia? Is, yeah. How do you spell that? W-I-S-T-I-A. Right, Wistia. Wistia. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you can, it's a, 
really the same functionality in terms of embedding, but then it links back to your website rather than a third party. Right, so, that's, so if you click on that, it could be hosted any, anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it'll right. bring you back to your website. Yeah, that's, the cool, yeah, that's kind of cool, right? Um, are there any worrying trends or really positive trends that you're seeing in the, in the market? There are some worrying trends, and I think it's all about the recruitment time scales. Uh, personally, I think um, people are looking to recruit earlier and earlier. Uh, you've got some organisations now recruiting first-year students. Um, and I think at some point, you, um, the recruitment can happen too early. Uh, and I, I wish we pulled back a little bit and recruited a little bit later. Traditionally in law, you recruit two years in advance. I mean, personally, I think that's a little bit too much. Um, and I think what you find is that people are beginning to uh, renege on offers more and more. And I think that's the risk. Yeah, I think I've heard that a lot. That's quite a lot where people are getting renegs, both at the graduate level mm. and at the school leaver level. Um, could you offer I don't know, any advice or pearls of wisdom on what people could do to try and reduce the, the number of renegs they get? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is, is looking at what, how early you are uh, recruiting these candidates because it's completely understandable that within three years' time, someone's views or career aspirations might change. But the other thing is making sure you're keeping in, in contact with them in that period of time, making sure that all the initial communications were absolutely honest so that they know what, uh, what the organisation is like, what the job is like, um, what they're getting themselves in, into. Um, you can't really do much with if people just change what they want to do. Mm. But I think sometimes people secure training contracts in advance and then they realise it might not be what they want to do. Uh, and I think that's sometimes the issue with um, graduate recruitment, that it's not always that honest in terms of what the job is actually like. It can be really challenging. Uh, I, I think that's probably the best way of, of doing it so that you know, candidates don't want to renege on offers. That's really what you want. People still people want, actually want to do the job. But it's, it's so competitive. Yeah. So you're going to find companies saying, well, no, I have to get out to market early. I want to get out earlier than my competitors because yeah. I want the best candidates. But then you sort of say that's that's also causing the grenades, which makes it harder. Yeah, well, who says the best candidates are the ones who apply early? Good point. I mean, some of the best candidates I've seen have thought about it very late. Uh, they've come from different professions, um, come from different careers. I, I, I mean, I don't I don't really agree with that. You have to recruit people as early as possible. Um, I mean, often you find that they don't really have enough experience. Um, and what you're basing basing your your judgment on then purely on their academics, and we know that to do a, a job for example a commercial lawyer you know academics is only one thing there's many more things that uh, there's a much bigger skill set out there and I'm not sure you can really evaluate that from first or second year undergraduates if we are seeing this trend of people you know recruiting earlier and earlier do you think then um, it kind of we need to change or firms will need to change partly the cycle and put more attention on the keeping candidates warm from when they accept an offer to when they actually start at the organisation yeah, I think you'd have to, yeah. If you still, if, if organisations want to recruit earlier, then more work has to be done in that kind of extended onboarding process. But what could you even be doing? In, you know, imagine someone's two years before they start, mm. you know. It comes down to your content, I guess. You've, you've got lots of blogs and videos. Is that the sort of thing you'd help educate, nurture, inspire? Yeah, I mean, I think we look at those things in terms of the attraction piece, but you can also use them for the onboarding piece as well. Um, yeah, and I think it's, try, it's getting people excited, getting people interested for those within those three years. So, Paul, to summarise, what, what would be your three key takeaways for, for anyone listening from everything we've discussed today? 
Um, I mean, I think one of the main ones is beginning to think about a recruitment campaign in a, in a similar way to a marketing campaign, where you've got different objectives at different stages. So really understanding what those stages are. And, and for me, it's often about awareness, it's often about consideration, getting people to apply. And then understanding what activity you're doing and whether it, it, it fits into one of those categories. So thinking about it in, in a much more strategic way, rather than just, this is now milk round season, this is now interview season, this is now vacation scheme season. I think the other thing as well is, is around data and being able to evaluate. I think there's a lot of wasted money in, in graduate recruitment. So beginning to track um, the success of um, online platforms. So traditionally websites that people are sponsoring to be on or paying to be on. Uh, I think you can do a lot in terms of understanding whether people are coming through to your website, whether those people are actually applying. And if not, then you can spend that money on something which is much more effective. And I think the other one is, as well is thinking about the audience, think about the audience first. I see too often the messages that organisations push out are purely promotional. This is our open day, apply. Our vacation schemes are now open. You know, this, this is one of our trainees, listen to what they have to say. When actually candidates are interested in more advice pieces, I think, how to apply, how do you do this, how do I get here, how do I turn this around, this is the problem I'm in. Um, so thinking about it from the, the audience's perspective rather than the, the organisation's perspective. Um, and I think you know, those, those are my, the, the three key things I think are most important. Great, great top tips. Uh, so that concludes, I guess, our first podcast. Uh, Paul, thank you so much yeah, for thank being you. part it's of it. It's a pleasure, it's been a pleasure. Really interesting. If anyone's got any questions for Paul, feel free to uh, contact him or get to on LinkedIn. Thank you. For all things early career recruitment, the strategies to help you succeed will help you work with Generation Z with all the information that you'll need. It's the Jack and Ollie Show.